Hello and welcome to the first 2019 and 2020 edition of Social Studies on the Go. To students and parents, welcome and hopefully you subscribe to the podcast so you can get to the new um, editions as soon as we uh, read new lessons in the textbook. So we're going to start off today with Module 3, Lesson 1. So if you're reading along, Feel free to uh, use your textbook and follow along as we read. We'll be reading through the print edition of Module 3, Lesson 1. And we always start off with a joke. What did one elevator say to the other elevator? <coughs> I think I'm coming down with something. Okay, here we go. It is Module 3, Lesson 1 on the Southern Colonies. Settlement in Jamestown. In 1605, a company of English merchants asked King James I for the right to found or establish a settlement. In 1606, the king issued the first Virginia charter that gave the company permission to settle in a region called Virginia, founding a new colony. The investors in the new settlement formed a joint stock company called the Virginia Company of London. This enabled the group to share the cost and risk of establishing the colony. Members of England's growing middle class purchased stock in the company, hoping to earn money from their investment. The middle class is a social class between the upper class and the working class. On April 26, 1607, the first 105 colonists sent by the Virginia Company arrived in America. On May 14th, about 40 miles up the James River in Virginia, the colonists founded... When you hear that sound, that means there's a vocab word coming. Jamestown, the first permanent English settlement in North America. Most of the colonists hoped to find gold and get rich. Others came looking for new opportunities in North America as cities in England were crowded and jobs were hard to find. A lack of preparation cost a lot of the colonists their lives. Most of the men who came to Jamestown were adventurers with no farming experience or useful skills such as carpentry. Jamestown was surrounded by marshes full of disease-carrying mosquitoes. By the time winter arrived, two-thirds of the original colonists had died. Powhatan Confederacy. Jamestown fared better under... John Smith, who took control of the colony and built a fort in 1608. He forced the settlers to work harder and to build better housing by creating rules that rewarded harder workers with food. The colonists received help from the powerful Powhatan Confederacy of Native Americans after Smith made an agreement with them. The Powhatan traded food for tools and pots to help the colonists. They also taught the colonists how to grow corn. In 1609, some 400 more settlers arrived in Jamestown. The Powhatan realized that the colony would continue to expand. They started to view the settlers as invaders who would take over their land. In the winter of 1609 to 1610, the Powhatan surrounded the Jamestown fort and killed anyone who tried to reach supplies outside. That winter, disease and famine also hit the colony. The colonists called this period the starving time, 
by the spring of 1610, only 60 colonists were still alive. Jamestown failed to make a profit until colonist John Rolfe introduced a new type of tobacco that sold well in England. Of course, he stole the seeds from the Spanish, but that's a story for another, for another day. War in Virginia. John Rolfe married Pocahontas, daughter of the Powhatan le leader, in 1614. Their marriage helped the colonists form more peaceful relations with the Powhatan. However, Pocahontas died just three years later as she visited England, where she was visiting with Rolfe. In 1622, colonists killed a Powhatan leader. The Powhatan responded by attacking the Virginia settlers later that year. Fighting between the colonists and the Powhatan continued for the next 20 years. Because the Virginia company could not protect its colonists, the English crown canceled the company's charter in 1624. Virginia became a royal colony and existed under the authority of a governor chosen by the king. Daily life in Virginia. In early Virginia, people lived on scattered farms rather than in towns. Tobacco farmers established large farms called plantations. Tobacco was so valuable that it was sometimes used as money. The headright system. These plantations were made possible in part by the headright system, which was started by the Virginia Company. Under this system, colonists who paid their own way to Virginia received 50 acres of land. A colonist could earn another 50 acres for every additional person brought from England. Rich colonists who brought servants or relatives to Virginia gained large amounts of land. Labor in Virginia. Colonists in Virginia suffered very high death rates, which led to labor shortages. The majority of workers were indentured servants. These servants signed a contract to work for four to seven years for those who paid for their journey to America. The expansion of slavery. Not all laborers in Virginia came from Europe. A Dutch ship brought the first African slaves to Virginia in 1619. Some Africans were servants, others had been enslaved, most had been enslaved. Some African servants became successful farmers when their contracts ended. Not very common though. The demand for workers was soon greater than the supply of people willing to work as indentured servants. Over time, the cost of slaves fell. These factors led some colonists to turn to slave labor. By the mid 1600s, most Africans in Virginia were being kept in lifelong slavery. Women and children in Virginia. Before 1619, most of Virginia's settlers were men. Only a few women and children lived in the colony. It was not until 1619 that the Virginia Company decided to send more women to the colony. The arrival of 90 English women in 1920 allowed more settlers to starve families. As a result, many settlers chose to make a permanent home in Virginia. Women brought their skills in cooking, sewing, and making household items. Many could make and mend clothing. Others could make useful items for the home, such as soap and candles. As the Virginia company grew, more women arrived. Many came as indentured servants as well. 
Life was hard for children in colonial Virginia. They spent much of their time working. Boys who lived on farms helped take care of the animals, plant crops, and chop firewood. Girls helped cook and clean. They also spun and wove cloth and helped make butter, soap, and candles. At this time um, in English culture, um, things were very much divided by gender. Bacon's Rebellion. As plantations grew, the economy of Jamestown began to expand. Soon, colonial officials began to ask for more taxes. During their mid the mid-1600s, poor colonists protested the higher taxes. They were also upset about the governor's policies toward Native Americans. They thought um, the colony was not well protected against attack. In 1676, a group of former indentured servants, led by Nathaniel Bacon, attacked some friendly American Indians. Bacon opposed the governor's policies promoting trade with American Indians. He also thought the colonists should be able to take the Indians' land. When the governor tried to stop him, Bacon and his followers attacked and burned Jamestown in an uprising known as Bacon's Rebellion. At one point, Bacon controlled much of the colony. He died of fever, however, and the rebellion soon ended. Other Southern Colonies As Jamestown was developing in Virginia, new groups of colonists began planning their move to America. Many English Catholics came to America to escape religious persecution. English Catholics had long been against England's separation from the Roman Catholic Church. For this reason, they were not allowed by the Church of England, also known as the Anglican Church, to worship freely. English leaders also feared that English Catholics would ally with Catholic countries such as France and Spain in any sort of conflict. Maryland. In the 1620s, George Calvert, the first Lord Baltimore, asked King Charles I for a charter establishing a new colony in America for Catholics. In 1632, Charles issued the charter to Calvert's son, Cecilius, who took over the planning of the colony. Cecilius, known as the second Lord Baltimore, named the colony Maryland in honor of England's queen, Henrietta Maria. It was located just north of Virginia in the Chesapeake Bay area. Calvert intended for the colony to be a refuge for English Catholics. It would also be a proprietary colony. This meant that the colony's proprietors or owners controlled the government. Oftentimes somebody who's wealthy is in a proprietary colony is just given a huge chunk of land. This happens with William Pitt as well. In 1634, a group of 200 English Catholics came to Maryland. Included in the group were wealthy landowners, servants, craftspeople, and farmers. Settlers in Maryland benefited from the lessons learned by the Jamestown colonists. They spent their time raising corn, cattle, and hogs so that they would have enough to eat. Before long, many colonists also began growing tobacco for profit. Although Catholics founded Maryland, a growing number of Protestants began moving there in the 1640s. Soon, religious conflicts arose between Catholics and Protestants 
in the colony. To reduce tensions, Lord Baltimore presented a bill to the Colonial Assembly that became known as the Toleration Act of 1649. This bill made it a crime to restrict the religious rights of Christians, whether they be Catholics or Protestants. This was the first law supporting religious tolerance passed in the English colonies. The Toleration Act did not stop all religious conflict. However, it did show that the government wanted to offer some religious freedom and protect the rights of minority groups. The Carolinas and Georgia. Colonies were also established south of Virginia. In 1663, the English king, Charles II, gave much of the land between Virginia and Spanish Florida to eight of his supporters. At first, Carolina was a single colony. However, the settlements were far apart and it was hard to govern them. So in 1712, the colonies separated into North and South Carolina. Most of the colonists in North Carolina were farmers who had migrated from Virginia. Um, among the earliest immigrants who settled North Carolina were the Highland Scots, a group that came from Northern Scotland. Colonists primarily from Europe settled South Carolina. Those who paid their own way received large land, land grants and some uh, brought enslaved Africans with them. By 1730, about 20,000 enslaved Africans were living in the colony compared to some 10,000 white settlers. Both North and South Carolina had rice plantations on which enslaved Africans did much of the work. South Carolina's proprietors managed the colony poorly. And in 1719, the proprietary government was overthrown. The Crown then purchased North and South Carolina in 1729, making them royal colonies. In 1732, King George II granted a charter to James Oglethorpe and other trustees to found Georgia. The king hoped that Georgia would act as a shield or buffer between Britain's other colonies and Spanish Florida. In 1733, Oglethorpe and 120 colonists, mostly from England, founded the city of Savannah. Oglethorpe wanted the Georgia colony to be a place where debtors, who had been jailed for their unpaid debts in England, could make a new start. He offered settlers a bonus of 50 acres for every debtor they brought along to help with the work on their farms. Oglethorpe hoped that the debtors would have better, better themselves through hard work instead of spending their time in prison. Only a few settlers were interested in his offer, however, and his plan failed. Oglethorpe did not want Georgia to have large plantations owned by a few wealthy individuals. He wanted many small farmers. To reach this goal, Oglethorpe outlawed slavery and limited the size of land grants. Soon, however, the settlers grew unhappy with Oglethorpe's strict rules. In 1752, the British government made Georgia a royal colony with new laws. Coastal Georgia was soon filled with large rice plantations worked by thousands of slaves. Economies of Southern Colonies the economies of the southern colonies depended on agriculture. They also exported materials for building ships, such as wood and tar. Some colonies traded with local Indians for deerskins to sell. The colonies had many small farms and some large plantations. Farms did well because the southern colonies enjoyed a warm climate 
and a long growing season. Many farms grew cash crops that were sold for profit. Tobacco, rice, and indigo, a plant used to make blue dye, were the most important cash crops. The southerners' co colonies' cash crops required a great deal of difficult work to grow and harvest. This meant a large workforce was needed. And by the time um, the, by the 1700s, enslaved Africans, rather than indentured servants, had become the main source of labor. Slavery was a viciously brutal condition for many inhabitants of the southern colonies. One former slave named Olada Equiano recorded his experiences. Tortures, murder, and every other unimaginable, other imaginable barbarity I practice upon the poor slaves with impunity. I hope the slave trade will be abolished. Most of the Southern colonies passed slave codes or laws to control slaves. Colonies with large numbers of slaves had the strictest slave codes. For example, South Carolina's slaveholders feared that slaves would revolt. As a result, South Carolina's code said slaves could not hold meetings or own weapons. Some colonies did not allow slaveholders to free their slaves. And my friends, that is it for Module 3, Lesson 1. We'll see you next time.